Hey, everyone, and welcome to another great dance debate. This is Chris Suchan. And I am Liz Borum, and I'm super excited for today's topic. Um, We are going to be discussing um, in-house choreographers, like choreographers that work within the studio versus hiring outside choreographers to come in to work with your kids at a studio. Super excited, super excited about our guest today, too. I am too. We have some great professionals in the industry, starting with Kim Munn. Uh, Kim is a graduate of St. Ambrose University with a degree in sports management. She's the owner and artistic director of Above the Bar Dance Academy in Davenport, Iowa. And she resides in Bettendorf, Iowa with a husband and two amazing children. Kim, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are things going in Iowa? Good. A little chilly today. It's about 28 degrees. A little, little nippy here, but it's good. We're excited. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And also on our panel today, we've got Carrie Petrula. She has been a studio director and instructor in New York since 1998, and she's a member of the Screen Actors Guild and continues her professional career in movies and commercials. Carrie, how's it going? It is going really well, staying healthy and energetic about our new competition season coming up. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. All right. Well, guys, we want to get to know you a little bit better. We want you to get to know each other a little bit better. Find out what makes you tick, right? So we have a couple of questions. Uh, First, Kim. Well, both of you, but first, Kim. Hey, what's your favorite podcast? Are you listening to anything right now? Podcast-wise, what do you recommend? Um, my very favorite podcast is, um, the organization sisters. They talk all about like organizing different places in your home and in your business. And I listen Uh and I get super inspired to organize things and then I don't do it. Um, (laughs) but it makes me feel like I'm being productive and I get really great ideas from it. Um, but that's my, that's my, on my way to work podcast. I love, I love that. Yeah. Get ready for the day. We got to balance that with the motivation podcast too. So it actually makes you want to do it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, a short Carrie, drive you... for work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Carrie, what are you listening to? Uh, you know what? I really don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. If I'm traveling far, I'm more of an audible book kind of person. That's like a guilty pleasure when I don't have time to read. Then I'll like, you know, dive into a love story or some thing that's just very guilty. And yeah. uh <laughs> Or, you know, if I'm listening to anything, it's probably, you know, at my desk and trying to chill and decompress and meditate a little bit like a quick, you know, couple minute meditation. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Um, the the next question for you guys is su- super deep, super complicated. I'm going to start with Carrie for this one. What is your Starbucks order? Oh, a Starbucks order would be a latte or an Americano. But I'm not a fan of ordering at Starbucks because I can never remember to say grande or medium or petite. I, <laughs> you know, petite. I just don't, I don't know what to say. Just that, yeah, petite, grand. What am I going to say? <laughs> All right, Kim, give it to us. Okay. Are you ready for this? <laughs> a ready. venti iced coffee with no sweetener and cream. Uh, nice. Every time, huh? You don't stray? Never. It can be negative 10 <laughs> degrees outside. I still have iced coffee. Oh, oh there wow. it is. Yeah, podcasters can't see it, but she's got one yeah. in hand. It now. <laughs> Amazing. All right, next up. Um, Kim, what is your favorite style of dance? It could be to watch, um, to do, whatever. Yeah. 
Definitely lyrical. I grew up as a really strong lyrical dancer. It was what my teacher was great at. And so my love for that just continued to grow. It's my favorite thing to teach. It's my favorite thing to watch. I feel like lyrical is one of those things that's kind of dying a little bit. It's all pretty contemporary now. So I love bringing it back. A good, solid lyrical dance. I love that. Carrie? Um, I would say ballet. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I grew up with ballet and um, I'm a lover of jazz. Uh, But I'm always going back to ballet. Ballet is 100% right or it's 100% (laughs) wrong. Very easy. It's hard to compete at. Oh, but yeah. It's very easy to judge right from wrong. No interpret no interpretation. Um, but besides that, I love I love lyrical because that is my interpretation. If I was the best ballet dancer and the best storyteller, then I think as a performer I go more lyrical. Well, I like it. Carrie's already reaching across the line. Are, I know to, we're already agreeing on these sides. How are we ever gonna debate? We're already there. <laughs> Already in agreement. Um, I'm going to start with Kim for this question. Also, Kim, what is your favorite dance movie? Oh, center stage. A hundred percent. Nice. Yes. I'm kicking it old school. I, we went to that movie as an entire studio back in the day. And I remember just sitting in the audience, just wowed by it. And I still go back and watch it sometimes. The acting in it is terrible. Uh, yeah were you also a fan of wasn't there a center stage two there was and i didn't like it 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 kind of ruined it for me so we're gonna stick with the original i still turn it on like when i'm working sometimes just like as background noise i love it nice all right carrie okay well first of all she said old school and i'm like center stage didn't i just come out (laughs) um i think I think dirty dancing, like, because it was an all around, you didn't have to be a dancer to appreciate it. But if you're a dancer, you truly appreciate everyone that's in the movie and they completely brought something different. Yeah. Uh, Good. Two solid choices, you guys. Good job, guys. You're you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. All right. And our final question for our little rapid fire here. If we were to look into your dance bag, Carrie, right now, tell me three things we would find in your dance bag. I right now have three costume books. I have a roll of floor tape. Oh. And I have uh, plastic pants because I'm old school. Oh, like the garbage pants? This is that was a great answer. Yeah, they're like garbage pants. I used to love garbage pants. Oh my God. I love it. We've gotten some repeat answers, but Carrie, you are a one of a kind. (laughs) I like it. I like the tape. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask why, but Kim. You never know. <laughs> um, I have my notebook because I can't remember a dang thing. And so I write everything down. Um, I have a solid bottle of a leave um, because, yep, because I'm old. That. And um, I have a tennis ball. Because it's my favorite thing to roll out my feet after teaching. So those three are always, always, always with me. Oh, I love it. 
I love it. All right. Well, we are getting closer and closer to starting this debate. But before we get started, I just want to say, um, just as a quick disclaimer, that Platinum National Dance Competition doesn't endorse any of these statements that are about to be made. Um, but we are a fan of hearing all points of view. Yeah, and we're so excited um, to pre- be presenting um, this next debate with these two incredible ladies. Um, and speaking on the side of hiring outside choreographers today will be Kim Munn. And speaking on the side of using only in-house choreographers um, will be Carrie Petrullo. So we're going to kick things off um, on our debate with Kim. So Kim, go ahead and get things started. Um, Anything you want to say, and then we'll just let you guys kind of go back and forth and duke it out. Okay. Um, I have been a really big advocate for utilizing outside choreographers from the beginning of owning my studio 20 years ago. Uh, it was definitely not something that was done a lot back then because there's a lot of obvious factors involved in that. And um, we just kind of broke the cycle with that a long time ago because we felt like bringing people in that were experts in their field gave our kids an edge that people didn't have around here. We live in Davenport, Iowa. It's three hours from Chicago and three hours from Des Moines. We're kind of in the center of what would have been nowhere then. And so we brought the talent to our kids. And what we saw happening was these kids were learning different styles and different genres and different choreography than they would ever get to learn otherwise from teachers that were all trained here in Davenport. And so it was giving them this amazing bank of knowledge that a lot of other kids around us didn't have. So we were creating these really beautifully well-rounded students It was also building great connections. We were finding that our kids that were going on and and wanting to maybe go to college and dance or dance after high school in some capacity had these connections with people that lived in New York or LA or Chicago and had those people out there that knew them and knew their strengths and knew their talents, but could also maybe get them um, a look when that wouldn't have otherwise been an option for them. Um, And I think one of the things that is a tough one for studio owners, especially, and for teachers, especially, is admitting this. I get so much inspiration from the people that I bring in. And when I'm watching them choreograph and I'm watching them with my kids who I'm with 900 hours a week, but watching what they can do for them and what they bring out of them, it's inspiring to me. It teaches me new ways and different ways to approach choreography. Um, So I just think that from the eight-year-old kid that gets to work with an outside choreographer on their first jazz dance to me, who's been teaching and, and choreographing for 25 years, it's just inspiring all the way around. I just think it creates a really beautiful, um, diverse and well-rounded studio as a whole. Okay. So there, there's a lot of things I could talk about just from that. Um, so I don't believe in bringing in choreographers at, and because I'm a business, I'm a owner of my dance studio. It is a representation of myself and for the instructors that I Um, have on my faculty. Uh, They are the reason that the studio is, is, is original and um, has its own flavor. 
uh, uh, for my teachers and myself to to get inspired. I try to um, to have us, you know, continue education because we need that inspiration. And so, using that inspiration for our students, without having to bring in outside choreographers, our students are are our studio. Um, and talking even about competition, um, I feel that our studio goes, we are not an independent, our studio, our students are under your studios, whoever's studio, and that is a representation. Um, I can see how choreographers influence students and how they can become stronger. But then I feel like it should be an independent because at, at, when you go to competitions and they say, you know, the top 10, they, a lot of times they ask, who's your choreographer? Who, what, or what studio are you with? You'll hear. And when you're saying your studio, but it's not the choreographer, it just doesn't, that doesn't seem right to me. Because, you know, I've seen a lot of dance competitions and that's like, we know they wear their dance coats on the stage. They are represented represented by school. I'm, I can only speak for me as a studio owner when I say this. I'm really particular about the people that I bring in to do choreography for my kids. So they, no matter what, I never bring somebody here to do choreography that I haven't personally worked with. Um, either judging or going to another event where they were working, where I have seen their process from beginning to end. And I know that it's going to fit into the, the mold of what our studio is. So I'm very particular about that. I also have a very hands-on approach with those choreographers on explaining that when they get their work done on the kids, it's up to my staff then to clean and make adjustments and do the things that need to happen to make sure that it's a piece of choreography that I'm okay putting my name on. Um, and I always have those kids announce who their choreographer is it, during the top 10, whether it's myself or one of our outside choreographers. So I think what you're saying is absolutely understandable in it. it ultimately it is all under my name and my reputation is on the line for whatever work is out there. But I think that that's why a little bit of prior work on making sure that it's a choreographer that is a good fit for you and your students is huge in the process. What's um, just based off of kind of what you guys have both kind of already started to share in this debate. Um, both of you guys judge competitions and, um, does it matter to you or are you paying attention to, as Carrie said, when the student wearing the, you know, sparkly glitter jacket announces the choreographer's name, um, you know, what, you know, and it was a great piece, obviously standing up there in a top 10, does that, you know, what does that do for either side of this argument? And then also to judging competition, um, when you see dances from the studio, you know, in a weekend, you see like a hundred, you know, or, a, you know, a larger studio has like 20 group dances or, you know, something like that, you know, what, 
what value is it in seeing some diversity in those dancers? And then, you know, from both sides, like, you know, carry uh, keeping things in house, how do you how do you ensure that you've got that diversity? And then, you know, Kim, you know, just I would love to hear what you guys have to say on this topic in regards to what you see as a judge and not maybe from your own studio point of views as well. Well, I think that um, two things at my studio, I try to hire um, diversity in uh, technique and style and age. Um, I find like with um, myself as my, the oldest teacher at the studio that I'm very technical and old school. So I think it's important to have younger, um, credible teachers to give a certain, um, flair, uh, opinion. I think that is like, you need the flavors of, of where people are coming from that, that really the the dancer absorbs. So all those things are important. Um, when I am a judge and say uh, a student announces that their choreographer was, you know, some celebrity choreographer that, you know, nationally we've heard of. I, I do. I don't ignore it. There's a process that goes through my head and says, hmm. Okay, well, they had to pay for this choreographer. This choreographer is giving, you know, something major that the studio is unable to give these students to perform. So as a judge or even a dance educator myself, I don't feel that the level is correct. The playing field is fair. That's how I feel as a dance owner, a dance studio owner, that it is... I like to see a more level playing field. Level playing field starts with tech and any technically strong dancer. If they're really technically strong, I feel that they can perform a lot across the board equally. So just to kind of open up your, what you just said a little further, because I kind of I think that's very valuable information. Um, so where is the appropriate place for these um, choreographers who, as you said, are like well known and trying to make a name for themselves as choreographers? Where, where is their platform to present in this industry? If it's in order, to, in your opinion, in order to make it more of a playing field? I, I think as an independent. Yeah. That makes sense. So to, to not fall under the studio, the studio Correct. name because they're being choreographed by somebody outside of their studio. Kim, what do you think? Um, I think as a judge sitting and watching, one of the things that actually frustrates me more than anything is when a studio comes on and I know it's the studio before the music even starts by just it just consistently is looking very similar in choreography. So one of the things is, of course, if you have a diverse staff in your studio, I think you could totally get by without having outside choreographers and be just fine. And, and you know, that would be no problem for me as a judge. But for some of these smaller studios who maybe they're, you know, studio owner is their only teacher or their only choreographer. That's a lot of pressure on them to create four group dances for the same small group of kids and make them look different because that's asking that studio owner to go away from actually their authentic 
choreographic style and mold themselves into, okay, not a great tapper, but here we go. Like it, it just makes it really tricky for them too. So I will be honest. I actually also choreograph for other studios around the Midwest and it is all for that exact reason. I go to these smaller studios that have one or two teachers that just don't have the diversity and don't have the depth because they can't employ them full time. They can't employ these teachers to work with their kids because they maybe only have 100 students total. And so where I have 400 students total and we bring 200 dances to a competition, it just is I think that's not necessarily a level playing field either, right? So it's giving them the tools to bring their kids to a position where they also get that benefit of working with more than just one teacher in their lifetime. Because that's not really a level playing field at all when you then send that kid to college and they get to take class from five different people and have never had to do that before. So I think from that side of things, it's a little bit, I mean, you can do it either way. There's certainly not a right or wrong answer. I just think that these kids, I don't necessarily agree with bringing in all of the big name choreographers for your students always. That's certainly not um, what I'm saying. My Most of my outside choreographers are teachers and studio owners and people that make a living teaching, not performing and making a name for themselves that way. So I, again, I think it's just knowing your, knowing your students and knowing your studio and knowing what you need um, to round out the product that you're giving at competition. Yeah, I wanted to bring up, I'm curious because I'm sure that there's people out there listening. And, you know, Kim, you brought up a, a topic early on in this saying, um, when you do hire in outside choreographers or also carry when you hire teachers, um, the vetting process. And I'm kind of curious because I'm on Dance Teacher Network as well. And I see lots of, hey, I'm looking for a teacher or I'm looking for a choreographer. And, and you know, all these submissions come in. And what, I, you know, I don't know that everyone has the same resources maybe that you guys have. Or do you have any comment on vetting? Like when you're hiring somebody, what are you looking for? Maybe to help people figure out how to vet out some of these choreographers to really get, you know, the bang for their buck if they are hiring outside choreographers or to, or to, Carry, to Carrie's point, find that diverse staff within their studio. How do you guys do that? Well, I don't have a good answer because it's always <laughs> a constant struggle. And I've had my studio for 25 years and yeah. it's just, it, it truly is. And it's just word of mouth. And a lot of times, you know, getting um, young professionals in is just, you know, asking other kids, I call them kids, young adults that are, you know, did dance programs and who's in the area, who's close by. But I think dance programs are, are really important because, you know, they're just coming out fresh from, um, from college and they're absorbing a lot. And, you know, do you feel like you kind of like, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, um, not train them, but, um, mentor them like do you find it, it helpful to hire kind of a younger choreographer within your own studio to then be like to take them under your wing and to kind of develop your own studio's stamp yeah i i i would love that but the, the the thing that happens is you know those um those kids that are are 
wonderful dancers and that they have the passion for it, they're usually leaving. <laughs> sure. <Those people>. <laughs> they're pursuing <laughs> their own stupid <laughs> careers, right? Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, I live in upstate New York, which is small, so they're going, you know, at least two hours away from me. Sure. And then when they're coming back after four years, they need to venture out. So that's yeah. why it's hard. And yeah, you know, I don't know, Kim, and if you have some tips, I'm listening. Um, I think for me, I've always just been a people person. And so I generally will skip over everything on a resume until the references. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care what, you know, I, I do care who, you know, and I care who endorses you. And, um, I think of the staff members that I've hired to come in as intensive teachers and as choreographers and as staff members, even here in Iowa, I probably bring in close to 20 different people a year coming in to work with my kids. And every single one of them, I have spoken to somebody I already personally know that knows their work. And it doesn't have to be um, some, you know, big name, anything. It's generally somebody that I like judged with five years ago, or I know of the studio owner that has already brought them in and I will call there and I will talk to them in depth. And I have an entire list of things that I, you know, have questions about how are they with the parents? How, you know, how was the process of even just picking them up from the airport? Are they responsible? Are they on time? Um, are are they high maintenance? Do they need 50,000 things in their hotel room to be happy for the weekend? Just silly things like that, that make it, um, <laughs> that make it so much work for me as a studio owner to bring them in. We don't, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. So we have a, a little saying here, are they our people? Like, is this studio, you know, is this choreographer coming into the studio, our people, or will this be their last time? coming to the studio because we definitely have our pile of those as well because nothing is foolproof. Right. So, um, but generally speaking, I skip the entire resume and go directly to the references. I'm still an old school. I call every reference on that resume. I love that. It's true. You are, this business is so small. And for anyone out there listening, maybe just joining into this career, choosing this career, and starting out, it's it's a lot of who you know. I know when I hire as well for um, for my business. I if if you're a reference of somebody and they're endorsing you, that's a big deal. So that pretty much means an in. Um, but if they're not willing to endorse you, that's a big out. <laughs> so make sure you um, keep good friends and and don't burn bridges along the way. Throw this out there as well for like in house choreographer. I'm curious, Carrie, if you think. Um, there's a confidence issue and Kim as well. There's a confidence. If confidence comes into this is what I guess I'm trying to say, where um, there's a level of trust with your choreographer because you know them intimately. They've been your teacher and they can produce your choreography or go out on a stage and feel more, maybe more confident. I'm curious if confidence plays a role in any of, in, in this argument. Either yes, one of you. I yeah. I truly think it does. Um, one of my teachers is always trying to change how she, how she does choreography, like to keep up with times and the ages. And I, and she's not successful when she does that. Mm. And I keep reminding her, you have to be yourself. There's no one else out there like you with your mindset. Absolutely. So 
I don't mind if the choreography, even over 15 years, is the same because it's almost like its own technique. Yeah. She's getting, she has more of a modern flair, like a mix of like a little gram in it. And the, no one's duplicating it. So be your authentic self. And whenever she does that, then the kids do better. The kids place better when they go to competitions. She, It's her brand and it's okay to have your own brand. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I have a f- very close friend that we struggle with that as well, that she thinks she's being pushed out and you're you be authentically you that's what's important being authentically you yeah sorry kim what did you want to say i think the confidence level is one of those things that they just learn to trust a little bit with you as a studio owner guiding that so you know i as a lyrical and contemporary teacher watch the outside choreographers that are doing that and know i'm going to end up cleaning those pieces and I make it super clear with my staff that ends up cleaning things. Hip hop is a is a big one. I don't touch a hip hop dance. Nobody wants to see that. So when we bring a hip hop choreographer in, my hip hop teachers, who I will admit had some serious like about us bringing in a hip hop choreographer, they were in on the entire process. They watched them choreograph. They knew what the like style and the different um, aspects of it were, and they've been in charge of cleaning it. So they're just as much a part of the puzzle as they would have been, you know, if they started the choreography. So I just making them realize that they are still so, so important in the end product is crucial. Um, so, I mean, even we have soloists that do a solo choreography with me and also a solo choreography with one of my other staff member or outside choreographers and they almost always, almost always place better with my choreography because they are comfortable with it and they've been doing it since they were eight years old. But I always tell them they still need to keep that outside choreographer as their second solo because it's pushing them. It's making them better even in my choreography. So I think the confidence level comes from, as a studio owner, me not saying everybody out of the way, these outside choreographers are coming in to do their thing, but saying we're enhancing this. This is a, this is an add on, not a, they're more important than you. Yeah. Really nice points. You guys, um, thanks for sharing your opinions on both sides. Um, it's been very interesting to hear, you know, as we've kind of said throughout, um, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just nice to hear kind of people kind of share their thoughts about it. We're going to go into, um, my favorite part. It's the 22nd (laughs) closing statement. Um, talk fast, make your point um, to kind of sum up um, to our listeners why your opinion is your opinion. At the end of 20 seconds, I do this really technical thing. It sounds like a, it's like my own buzzer. Okay. Um, and that is your cue to stop. I will say those 20 seconds are going to fly by. We're going to kick off our closing statements with Carrie. So Carrie, um, we're going to get started with you. Just getting my stopwatch ready. I'll say three, two, one, go. And your 20 seconds will start. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay. As a studio owner and as a judge, I like to see dancers at a competition that are represented by their home studio. So being a home studio, I would expect not all the time, but mostly expect that the dancers are trained and choreographed by the owners of the studio. Uh, 
There it was. It goes I know. So it goes yeah. so fast. It I know. So quick. Uh, all right, Kim. So let's see. I know. Here it goes. We started three, two, one, go. I think that allowing your kids to work with as many people as possible in the art that they are choosing to perform is so crucial. Um, it provides them the opportunity to meet people that they wouldn't otherwise meet and also offers a way to inspire not only the kids, but also the teachers in the building. There you go. I know. I just really like being interruptive. So it's just like the, for me is really empowering you guys. Um, great. That was great. You guys, I, we got some really great, interesting views on that. I think I, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks and for I joining us, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And yeah. So guys, goodbye, I guess. And we'll see you soon. It was such a pleasure spending this last 30 minutes with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye you guys. Thanks. Have a Bye. good one. Thank you. All right, Chris. <laughs> what a cool conversation. It really was. I think that they both really brought their A games at and and stood on their own two feet and gave us some solid points. I really like that they both are studio owners. Um, you know, we've had uh, you know varying panels of like studio owners and dancers and you know, you know kind of all over, but I like that their their reference point was the same as being business owners, but their opinions yeah. were like so different within that with that reference point to kind of then reiterate that there is, there's maybe not a right answer to that. It's maybe just doing what you need to do as a studio. Yeah. Yeah. One point that hit me, um, cause you know, you and I, we do all this too, and we have our own opinions and I come to these thinking certain things are like, what are they going to argue? What side, what side, what side? One of the things that kind of caught me off guard a little bit that I thought was so interesting, it just never occurred to me. But when Kim said that the, you know, bringing in outside choreographers and building those connections that will only help them in the future. I thought, oh yeah, that's an interesting point of view. I haven't thought of that before. You're building a networking because I find networking is one of the hardest things for people to overcome and to figure out as a professional. And I was like, oh yeah, you are kind of building a foundation there. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. Well, I've got some um, data, some statistics for us over here. You know, I Uh. love that. We, um, put a poll out on our Instagram of all of our podcast topics to kind of see what our followers um, think. So um, when we asked the question, which is more beneficial to dancers, um, 74% said hiring outside choreographers and only 26% said hiring only inside choreographers. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. So 74% are on the side of hiring outside choreographers and 26% on the side of using only inside choreographers. Well, Liz, I have some statistics as well. Oh. I've, pulled, <laughs> I've pulled a group of professionals um, in the industry, studio owners, teachers alike, all those. What would you say our Instagram following is? It's a, it's a mix. It's dancers. It's parents. It's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's a mix. Of, yeah. It's a mix, it's like, yeah. yeah. A mix. Yeah, so, a mix. So, to, so to pull professionals... In the field or in this industry, um, Liz, 72% favor an outside choreographer and 28% favor an in-house choreographer. So we're right there with the Instagram following. It's right in line. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I was just going to say, there's still no right and wrong. And I just find it so... We keep using the word interesting, but it is. It's interesting that um, there's two sides and they're both right. And that's it. Go ahead, Liz. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, listen, everyone, make sure you're following us on our Instagram at Dance Platinum Co., where you can comment um, on this topic. Also, um, make sure you're subscribing and to subscribe. subscribe to our podcast. And also, too, um, on our Instagram, we'd love to hear more topics for our upcoming seasons of this podcast. So um, just offer those. You can um, just put them right there in the comments, and we'll consider using those um, for more great dance debates. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure spending this time with you. And Liz, I can't wait for the next debate. Yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks. See you soon. Till next time.